and tie it around their waist to hold those loose ends. And so we have to, Peter's saying, you, you need to tie up the loose ends of your minds lest you get tripped up. Now, if we fail to activate or, or pursue this action we're talking about here, we are going to find ourselves living what you would call self-absorbed lives, lacking true fulfillment. How many, when you get to the end of your life, you'd like to be able to say, I did what I could for the Lord? Wouldn't that be a good sense of fulfillment? One fact is that when we fail to activate our minds, here's what happens. Notice on your study guide. We retreat into passivity. We become intellectual and spiritual couch potatoes. Okay? You know, I, I really was thinking this afternoon how our nation, our generation, has slowly but surely been slipping into a pattern of mental passivity over the last few decades. Our minds have been placed on autopilot, and there is little to no brain activity when it comes to spiritual thinking in this generation. We have been losing brain activity over the last 40, 50 years. We've come to the point where the news media does our political thinking for us. Oh, help me now. We've come to the point where our favorite sports teams exercise for us. Win for us. Okay? We've come to the point where uh, the pastor studies the Bible for us. Huh? So a couch potato does not have a life of his own, so he lives his life vicariously through other people. You get that? Does that make sense? In the end, though, that couch potato's life is going to be characterized by emptiness. Emptiness. And God does not want you or me to live our life through someone else. That's why we're called gird up the loins of our own mind. Be engaged. I think it's the, uh, one of the oldest football proverbs uh, ever. Every football coach knows that it is the first truth you, you better learn about winning a game, and that is the team that controls the line of scrimmage usually wins the game. Is that not true? Now, if you don't get anything else tonight, get this. The mind is the line of scrimmage in your life. Whoever controls the line of scrimmage controls your life. For example, if Satan can get us thinking negative thoughts, then we will become negative people. Satan is a deceiver who promises one thing gives another. He tricks us into thinking we are helpless victims who will need years of group therapy for the rest of our lives. <laughs> Brothers, Satan tells you 
That sin is just a part of being a man. And there's nothing you can do about it. Hello? He knows a lot about addiction, and he makes you believe, oh, you're really not addicted. He convinces you that you are off the hook and that you're not required to live in obedience to Christ. Because God, oh, he says, God understands your situation and he wants you happy. Hmm. Newsflash. God is more concerned about our holiness than our happiness. Hmm. John 8, 44 says that, that that Satan is a liar and he's not only a liar, but he's the granddaddy of all liars. So how, how is it we combat his influences in our mind? How do we conquer the negative images, for example, that parade across the screens of our psyche? Well, if we're practical and yet theologically sound, how are we going to win this great war? Well, how many know any war that you fight or engage in, you'd better have a strategy. Everybody say strategy. You have to have a battle plan. And if we're going to win this battle for our minds, we need a strategy. And to establish a plan that protects the mind, we have to establish a perimeter. A perimeter will set a boundary and help blockade the enemy's entryway into our minds. Some of the greatest struggles, and I think this statement is on your uh, study guide, some of the greatest struggles develop because we live our lives without, what's the word? Boundaries. Every parent has no doubt had to have that conversation with their children. Boundaries. In 1991, our nation, and uh, along with Britain, declared to uh, protect the Kurds in northern Iraq and the Shiite Muslims in southern Iraq. To do this, we established boundaries. You know what they were called? No-fly zones. Remember that? The U.S., we declared that if someone compromises these no-fly zones, then they will suffer the consequences. And so in a similar fashion, if we're going to win the battle of our minds, <clears throat> we must establish a no-fly zone in certain areas of our lives. Boundaries help us clarify what's right and what's wrong. And we need to know when we're living too close to the edge and when we're in danger of, of stepping out of bounds. And when we fail to establish a perimeter, we welcome the enemy's influence into our lives and we, we find ourselves in situations that we, we don't know how to get out of. Does that make sense? 
So well, you say, Pastor, how do, we dis- how do we establish kind of that defensive perimeter that you're talking about? Well, <clears throat> first of all, by going back and doing what we talked about last Wednesday night, which was, anybody remember, guarding our eye gate and our ear gate, okay? Now, tonight, I want to expand on this plan by saying we need to next utilize this mental helmet of salvation that Paul describes for us, if you recall it in Ephesians chapter 6, along about verse 17. He says, and take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. Now, during Paul's ministry, I have a feeling that he became well acquainted with the Roman soldier's armor. He was surrounded by it at times. He was chained to them uh, more than once. Okay, so the Roman soldier's helmet, uh, you've, you've seen graphics, and uh, I think Brother Pritchett's got a pretty good one, uh, maybe uh, dating with that Goliath costume that he had. I don't know the connection between that one and, and Rome, but they were no doubt somewhat similar. Uh, <clears throat> the Roman's uh, helmet could be quite ornate, almost uh, artwork, okay? Uh, they said they could, they could engrave farm scenes with animals, Okay, some would have helmets that looked like the entire head of an animal. Some would have uh, engravings of, of fruit. Um, and, and, and some of them, they said the helmet looked more like a statue than a, than a defensive weapon. Okay, and, and <clears throat> sitting on top of, of these magnificent helmets would be the huge columns of brightly colored feathers or horsehair. The helmet, they said, was mostly made of bronze since it therefore would be kind of heavy and inside the helmet would, they would line it with some type of spongy material for cushion. Okay, the helmet would extend from the top of the head down to the chin and on each side it would extend downward to protect obviously the neck area. And it was designed so that nothing could penetrate it. Okay? If, if something could penetrate it, it would be useless. Okay? Just as this helmet is designed to protect the head of a soldier from, from a hit that could take his life, our helmet called salvation, everybody say salvation, that is designed to protect our minds. Anybody saved in here tonight? Now, if that salvation is missing, you are exposed to the attacks of Satan. Satan's strategy is to attack our mind. Now, the the Greek word, I thought it interesting for strategy, is is where we get our English word method. Everybody say method. 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 It was... uh, a method of travel, meaning a, a road to a certain destination. That's the strategy. Okay, the, so the point is, Satan has designed a road in which to enter your mind and mine. He doesn't... 
Now, sometimes we feel like he's coming at us from all angles, but he's not. He doesn't come from every side. He has one major method, strategy, a.k.a. highway, and that is to plant into our mind thoughts that will work in his favor. Once that is accomplished, he begins his scheme. 2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul said, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices, or of his strategy, or of his highway, or of his methods. You got it? Good, I was running out of words. Paul says, lest Satan outsmart us, we must be aware, we must be alert and familiar with his, uh, of his evil schemes. If he can get into our mind, he will begin to play what I call mind games. Hello. Has the enemy ever played a mind game with you? He will make you doubt your friends, your loved ones, your neighbors, your co-workers, your pastor, anyone that you have trusted in the past. He will bring up memories of, of past failures and betrayals to cause you anxiety, to cause you turmoil. He will have you questioning the motives of others when they offer to help you. Hello. Those are all forms of mind games. He will plant thoughts that are paralyzing like, you're no good. You'll never make it to heaven. Your children will die and go to hell. Hello. Just keeping it real. These are mind games. Don't go to church. You're going to have a wreck on your way. Hello. You've got cancer. You feel, a, you feel a, 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 a place on your body. It's Something's not right. It's a tumor. Hello. Somebody say mind games. You get feeling bad. You're never going to get well. How about this one? You're no use in God's kingdom. Hello. You've messed up so much, there's not even any use trying. See, the mind games can go on and on and on. And through your mind, he will control your time, your emotions. Through your mind, he will convince you that you don't have time to look in God's Word for answers. He will do all He can to get you to react in the flesh, not in the Spirit. And He brings thousands and thousands of those thoughts into our minds. And these thoughts begin to take root when we begin to not only hear them, but when we give them a voice and we begin to speak them once 
it was an accusing voice, then it becomes our voice. Hello? And, and now we start saying, yeah, I'm no good. I'll never make it to heaven. Yeah, probably got cancer. I'll never recover. I'm no use to the kingdom. And on and on and on. And this is nothing more than Satan's dirty little tricks. It's subtle, but deadly. Huh? So don't give Satan, Peter says, those kind of mental loose ends, or he will trip you up. He'll call you, cause you to fall in his trap. Maybe you've become convinced that your destiny is to suffer defeat or you're just destined to have to suffer pain or suffer sickness or suffer from broken relationships. Maybe you've become convinced that your life is messed up and can never be fixed or maybe that your family or your church or on and on and on will never miss you if you just leave. Listen, I'm here to tell you that it's the devil who wants you to suffer. It's the devil who wants to rob you of your joy. It's the devil who wants to rob you of your peace and, and of your family and of your relationships and of your church. And it's the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But thank God Christ said, I've come to give you life. I've come to give you healing. I've come to give you deliverance. Oh, somebody ought to praise God. Get your helmet on. Brother Timmy, can I, can I use you? Come on up here. I don't have a motorcycle, but Brother Fraley got me this helmet years ago because I did have a motorcycle. Now, I don't have a fancy helmet like Brother Pritchett's tonight. So let's, let's hey. It's nice. It's it's like brand new. It's it's still been in a bag. So, so let's see what he looks like. Eric, you want to see what he looks like in a? No. Come on. We know what a helmet does, huh? Look here. If I was to, hmm, not good. But if he's, got, if he's got his Roman helmet on, right? No problem. No problem. Now, I want you to just, just sit. We're going to come back to this here stick in a minute. You want to hold this? For the weapons of our warfare, I want you to notice this. If you go to 2 Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not what? Carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What happens with mind games is if you begin to engage in them, here's what happens. Those thoughts become strongholds. And the Greek word for strongholds, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of what? 
strongholds. Now, the Greek word for stronghold could be interpreted prison. Everybody say prison. Do you know we like freedom and liberty in the Pentecostal church and movement? But I wonder how many mental prisoners we have in our Pentecostal churches. Hello? Mental prisoners. By God's help and grace. Thankfully, I, I've never been in a jail cell. I, I hope I can stay out of them. Right? They're small. They're restrictive. But they're not only designed to keep a prisoner inside, but they're also designed to keep others out. And how many know that's Satan's desire as well? Hmm? He wants to keep us in bondage with the mind games that he plays. And he wants to imprison us with the thoughts of whether it's rejection or uh, he wants to imprison us with thoughts of failed marriages and relationships. And we'll start believing that we can't even have a functional relationship with anybody. Or he wants to imprison us with thoughts of failure so that uh, we won't do something worthwhile with our lives. And he wants to keep out those who can help us. Hello. Every prison has a warden, right? Every prison has a warden. And that warden decides who the prisoner gets to see or who gets to see the prisoner. And Satan will do all he can to keep us away from those who can help us on a spiritual level. And this is, you know, I, I was thinking, and you know, from a pastor's point of view, I think this is why some people come to church so sporadically. Satan is allowed to control them. He's got in their minds. He's trying to ensure they never get freedom. Because true freedom, how do we know if true freedom is found in the power and the presence of Christ? And to be honest, the greatest place on earth to find that, somebody tell me, isn't it in a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring church service? Right? I want to mention two types of strongholds. Notice on your study guide. Everybody say logic. logic. It's going against the word of God based on logical reasoning. Now you say, what's that mean? Well, let me give you some examples. One passage says, give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's unto God that which is God's logic says this I got to pay my taxes don't want IRS after me yeah I got to pay my taxes but I'm too far in debt 
to give anything to the Lord. I got to pay my taxes, but maybe God will give me a pass on my tithe. Hello. Um, scripture says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Well, logic says, I don't need to go to church to meet with God. Brother Timmy, I can meet with God out on the golf course. If you're having a good day, he said. See, logic will keep us from God, will keep us from his word, and will make us feel that all of that is acceptable. Okay? So the first kind of stronghold is human reasoning. Say that with me. Human reasoning, a.k.a. logic. The second stronghold is next, false argument. These are the irrational strongholds like, uh, let's say, uh, a fear or a paranoia of getting sick. Um, fear of dying early in life. Fear of rejection, fear of financial collapse, so on and so forth. Time will usually prove these kind of fears wrong. Somebody say, praise God. And sometimes sharing them with others, like a supportive spouse or spiritual leader, will bring to light just how irrational and unfounded they are. However, remember that Satan is trying to keep your visitors limited. Remember, you're in that stronghold, that prison cell. Limited while your mind is in that stronghold. So he knows that true spiritual freedom begins right there in the mind. And that is why the helmet of salvation is so important. And if Satan is playing mind games with you, then you have allowed him to place you in that prison cell or in that stronghold. And he has captured you with thoughts. And if that's the case, will you say, what do you say? Well, you have to drop down to 2 Corinthians 10.5 where Paul then really drives this point on home when he says, okay, bring into captivity. Everybody say captivity. captivity. Which means capture. Everybody say capture. capture. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, some of you may need to make that personal right there. This has nothing to do with Satan in a sense, but everything to do with deciding to take a stand against him. Because no, make no mistake about it, folks, this is spiritual warfare. One commentator said it this way, that word captivity that Paul uses here in 2 Corinthians 10.5 paints a picture of capturing someone by placing a spear in their back. Hello. Text, it, it actually means capture them with a spear in their back. 
anyway, he's going to bow and submit himself to Christ. That makes sense? He's a fox. He's a fox. How many foxes are there standing around? How many foxes do we entertain and hang out with and go have coffee with them? this at a garage sale and didn't even know it did that. <laughs> so I didn't use this. I didn't use the sharp point. And so how many times do we just let the thought act like you're working in my mind? Huh? Right. And he, we just let him let him work and let it fester. Hello. And we go to sleep with it working on our minds. We wake up with him working on our minds. Hello. And we let him follow us around all during the day. <laughs> Still working in our minds. Huh? Listen, but Paul says, you got to get forceful with that bad thought. It's like brutal, right? If you are forcefully and brutally making your thoughts align with God's Word, then you're doing what Paul instructs you to do. Hmm? This means forcing those thoughts into the subordinate position and making them listen to you instead of you listening to them. Does that make sense? Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, you have access to the helmet of salvation. And when you have salvation covering your mind as a Roman soldier had his helmet to protect his head, then the good thing is Satan's plans are foiled. They're doomed. Hello? How many would love for Satan's plans to be ruined? He cannot deceive with his strategies, play mind games with your thoughts, or build strongholds to hold your thoughts captive anymore if you have done what Peter said girded up the loins of your mind, and now you're, you're in this race to win it. How many is in this race to win it? However, you can be certain that Satan will not relinquish his attacks on your mind because he'll be back. Right? I mean, no bad thoughts will be back. So that's why Peter says, keep your minds prepared for action. Be ready for action at any time. And, and action is a word of being on the offense. Go ahead and attack the enemy. If he advances towards you, exercise self-control. Hey, listen, devotion and self-discipline will cause his fiery arrows to not have any fuel to ignite in your mind. 
We are to put all of our hope in the captain of our salvation. And the reason is salvation provides us with deliverance from sin, with deliverance from hell. Somebody say amen. Divine protection, preservation, healing, wholeness, and soundness of mind. Now, it would do us well to remember 2 Timothy 1.7 that says, For God hath not given us a spirit of what? Everybody say it. Not given us a spirit of but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And the picture painted here of the spirit of fear is one of not understanding the powerful provision that salvation provides for us. The opposite of a sound mind in the text would be insanity. Okay? The thought here is one would be insane to continue walking in a sinful uh, mental manner or pattern after you have received the glorious gift of salvation. You don't have to. Satan gives us the spirit of fear, but salvation gives us a spirit of peace. Somebody let peace work in your mind right now. Satan plays mind games to make us fearful of what every single day may bring. We have salvation given to us daily, though, to counter those actions. Satan gives us the spirit of cowardice. He makes us cowards when placed in situations that require us to be bold and forceful. We have salvation given to us daily to counter his actions. Salvation gives us the sound mind. Is what Peter and Paul, I think both of them understood that and, and was teaching it. And when we have the full knowledge of salvation, it will show itself in our lives. Aren't you glad for that? And when our mind has been renewed by the Word of God concerning all the blessings centered on salvation, it'll show up in our lives somewhere. It's bound to show up. And when our mind is filled with the goodness of God received through our salvation, it'll show itself in our lives. And here's the way Paul puts it in. Let's look at Romans, I believe it's 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Praise God. Somebody wrote that song, I got peace like a river. You can have peace like a river. Huh? We have a choice. Everybody say, I have a choice. We leave off the helmet of salvation and live a life filled with guilt, depression, fear, bondage, or we can put on the helmet of salvation and live a life delivered from sin and hell. But that's divine protection, that's healing, that's wholeness, that's soundness of mind. And I think it's Colossians 1.13 that mentions God's delivered us from the power of darkness and it uses the word translated. And He has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now that's true salvation. Somebody say, I've been translated. If you've been saved, you've been translated. Not a physical uh, transfer, but rather a spiritual transfer and a... Mental one. Mental one. So God, God doesn't say, let me put on that helmet of salvation. No. He says, you do it. Hello? Somebody say, this is a partnership. This is a cooperation with God. God provided the salvation. Now are we going to put it on? He provided that that protection. Are we going to use it, utilize it? We must decide. We have the promise that if we change our way of thinking based on the Word of God, our lives 
will be transformed as well. Oh, praise God. And Paul says, God has us covered from head to toe. If you was to take the time, Ephesians chapter 6, you can stand in your faith. Why? Because he's clothed us with armor for every part. Huh? Except our back, right? They say don't turn your back on the devil. He didn't necessarily give us that covering for the back because you never flee. So, so he guarantees our right standing with God as long as we reflect that righteousness in our minds. And he assures our firm footing as long as we walk in peace. And, and he promises to protect our minds as long as we walk in our salvation. So I wonder how many need some mental peace. You know, I, I was thinking about history and, you know, on the December the 7th back in 1941, they tell us 300, I think it was 353 Japanese airplanes swarming all around Pearl Harbor in Hawaii within a couple hours we as a nation lost, I think it was eight, wasn't it? Eight big battleships, like six major airfields. I lost almost all of our planes and then 2,400 lives. So what happened at 7.50 a.m. was supposedly a surprise attack, right? And, and later they, they found out, you know, one, one historic account reveals that that morning at 7 a.m., while the Japanese warplanes were, they said, about 137 miles, which equaled 50 minutes of flight time left, while they were that far away, two U.S. soldiers on a small radar station in the Pacific was scanning the screen and saw all the dots. They saw dots and more dots. The whole radar screen became filled with dots. And these two soldiers notified their supervisor, who was a, a young lieutenant. No other officer was around. It was Sunday morning. It was the weekend. And the young lieutenant thought, yeah, those are just planes from California. Without another thought, he just told him, he's like, don't worry about it. It's not our concern. How I many know from, it, from this account, if they had taken that seriously, there would have been time to scramble our planes at Pearl Harbor. Prepare our battleships. Shelter the men. Right? 50 minutes. But the young lieutenant, the most responsible moment of his career, failed the nation. Right? He left questions unanswered. And it cost our nation greatly. Right? Folks, as we close, whether we realize it or not, we're in a battle for our minds.
And if we don't realize that we're at war, that just shows Satan and his propaganda is winning. Right? But if we prepare our minds for action, we can, oh, hallelujah, we can tap into some heavenly resources. How many could say, I could use some of those? I could use some heavenly resources at my house. Huh? Tap in those heavenly resources and find out you can win this battle. Praise God. So, as we, uh, as we stand together, and Sister Jones, you can come to the piano. What are we going to do with the loose ends in our mind tonight? What are we going to do with those thoughts like Brother Timmy that followed us around? Working in our minds. Hello? If we're wise, we'll just stop everything. We'll take those, those thoughts captive. We'll submit them to Christ. Does that make sense? Oh, I want to be able to run this race without distractions. Having girded my mind. Right? Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I ask you, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, first of all, Lord, just help me. Help me to tie up the loose ends that I've allowed to remain in my mind or in my emotions. Father, we make a deliberate choice to start submitting every area of our mind and our emotions to the Word of God, to the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. Please, here tonight, Lord, let the power of Your Word, the power of Your Spirit flow into every area of our mind, our emotions, energizing them with Your presence so that the devil cannot any longer have access to us through those untied up ends those areas of our life that we need we need to direct some attention to i pray that that will transpire here this evening lord thank you for time we've had to share together I pray God that someone will be assisted a little bit in their their battle with their battle for their mind or find you God and know that you're able to bring a peace in the midst of their turmoil bring that sweet calm In Jesus' name, all God's children say amen. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father.
Forever I pray In fact 